0: Welcome to On Air with Amber Wynn, where nonprofit leaders learn to fuse passion and commitment with proven business strategies to create long term funding, impact, and sustainability. And now, here's your host and resident philanthropeneur, Amber Amber Wynn.
1: Hey fam, it's your girl, Amber Wynn, coming to you here today and we're talking about part two, the thing about a title. Today we're going to talk about um, using president slash CEO. It happens all the time and um, from a funder's perspective, I'm going to share with you what that means. Um. A lot of times people do things just mimicking and not really understanding what all of the nuances of the little different parts of the nonprofit sector mean. But it's important for you to understand that there are more applicants than there is money. And as a funder, we have little tricks of the trade that we use to really determine whether an organization is a bona fide, if they know what they're doing, if they're a safe investment I'm going to say that again, funders have tricks of the trade that we use to determine whether or not a nonprofit really understands what they're doing. We can look at a budget and know whether or not an organization is solid. We can look at an org chart and know whether or not a nonprofit is solid. When they ask you for financial statements, they're looking to see if you're solid. And one really easy, quick fix is the title of an organization. Listen, if I'm going to write you a check for $250,000, I need to know that you as the leader understand all of the regulation that comes along with that $250,000. I'm not giving out money because I have nothing else better to do. I have funding goals as a funder, and I need to write that check to a person the leader of that organization, who I believe is going to give me a return on my investment. So when we come back from our first sponsor um, commercial, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the president and CEO and what all that means um, from a funder's perspective, but more importantly, from the IRS. Okay. so when we get back, we're going to talk about part two, the thing about a title.
0: Nonprofits are building a better future for everyone. Whether your organization focuses on bringing clean and safe drinking water to everyone on the planet, or caring for people in your local community, nonprofits like yours are making a difference every single day. But nonprofits also face a unique set of challenges. How to manage volunteers and operations on a limited budget how to raise awareness about your organization and mission through storytelling, and how to drive more engagement from donors to fundraise for your nonprofit. We believe that every nonprofit should be able to focus more energy on making an impact. Our mission at Google for Nonprofits is to equip nonprofits with the best of Google tools, at no charge in more than 60 countries around the world. Your nonprofit can collaborate and communicate more effectively with smart, secure business apps from Google Workspace. With Gmail, your nonprofit employees and volunteers can send email from your nonprofit's custom domain. Teams can stay connected from different locations by using Google Meet and Chat. And you can access and collaborate on documents from anywhere with Google Drive. Increase your productivity so you can spend more time serving your cause or community. Through Google for Nonprofits, eligible organizations can receive free advertising to run ads on Google Search with Ad Grants. Ad Grants enables your organization to appear in ads on Google Search when someone's searching for topics related to your mission. Your nonprofit can receive free advertising to raise awareness, reach donors, and recruit volunteers. Tell the story of your organization through video to create an emotional connection to your cause. With YouTube, nonprofits can expand their audience, reach new supporters, and connect viewers to their mission. And finally, imagine that your donors and supporters could see exactly where their donations are making a difference. With Google Earth and Maps, nonprofits can create compelling custom maps that help tell their story to the world. Nonprofits are changing the world. We are here to help. Learn more at
1: google.com/nonprofits. We're back. Today we're talking about the thing about a title because titles matter. And this is really, really important, guys. I want you to understand. You are in competition for a small pot of money. And as a funder, our responsibility is to pick the most capable, most experienced, most logical organization that we believe, based off of the information that's been given to us, is going to um, give us a return on our investment. That means you have to look the part. You know, how would you feel about taking your car to... auto mechanic and on the wall the thing that you're trying to get a catalytic converter is misspelled is that going to make you feel good about your your mechanic like if this is what you do every day you receive the box or whatever nine times out of ten even if you can't spell it you see the spelling right there i know for me i'm not going to feel comfortable this is the one thing that you specialize in and you can't even spell it right. Well, it's the same thing for a funder. Seriously, you're saying that you're a nonprofit leader, but you don't know the rules and regulations that the that the governing agency expects you to do. So those are valid reasons to not fund your organization. You could be doing the most amazing work in the community, but it doesn't matter. You know why? Because during that process, when a funder is... Um, going through all of the different grants, that's all they have. They don't have the opportunity to talk to you. They've got to screen out just like for a job. When you're submitting resumes, you're going to go through all of those resumes to get to the short list. It's the same thing for a grant. And I'm here to tell you things as small as a title make a difference because the title matters. A lot, I see this a lot, a lot of nonprofit founders will put um, president slash CEO. Let's talk about CEO first. Back in the 90s, um, there was this big push to change the title from executive director to CEO because nonprofit leaders felt like we weren't getting the same type of respect. And we do the same amount of work running an organization as uh, a chief executive officer does in a for profit you're not going to get any argument from me there. I believe that nonprofit leaders probably do a little bit more, right? Because we don't tend to have the same resources. The challenge with the title is when you have chief, it means something. Typically, chief executive officer has up under them, a chief financial officer, a chief operational officer, a chief informational officer. So you've got a C-suite. That's what the chief stands for. That's why they call them a C-suite. So you have the CEO at the top, and then they're managing that next level of C-suites. But then up under those, then you typically have your presidents. And then up under that, you have your vice presidents. And then up under that, you have your directors. And then up under that, you have your managers and so forth and so on. So in a nonprofit, that typically doesn't happen. You'll have the CEO, which is typically your executive director. And then up under that, you'll have a program director and then a manager. So it doesn't have the same weight because you don't have the same infrastructure. So yes, you can take on the title of chief executive officer because it is the highest ranking paid position in the organization. But if they ask you, for your organizational chart, and they see CEO, and then they see program manager, and then, you know, program coordinator, there's going to be something that's off, right? And what it suggests to a funder is that you really don't understand the inner workings of a nonprofit because your titles are off. And if your titles are off, there's a high likelihood that the classification is off. And if the classif- classification is off, then that could result in fines from the labor law. Like all of this is connected and it's deep. I'm not trying to fund an organization that could be fined for mi- misclassification. Misclassification happens a lot in the nonprofit sector because there's a lot of 1099s being issued because nonprofits can't really afford I'm talking about the small ones who are, you know, just starting out, can't afford the mandatory taxes that come with workers comp um, SSI, you know, unemployment. And so they 1099 their people. Well, that comes with a classification. If you are a 1099 employee, that means you get to come and go as you please. And the employer doesn't really control what you do. So all of this is tied into a title. All of this is tied into a title. And as a funder, these are the things that we look for. We look to see if you understand how to run a business. Running a business means you know that titles come with roles and responsibilities and classification issues. So that's the thing about chief executive officer. If you are a chief executive officer, then that means that you should have a C-suite that you are then managing, and then that C-suite is managing you know, their downline. That typically doesn't happen in a nonprofit. Problem number one. The second thing, when you have president slash CEO, remember, President is the highest ranking person in a nonprofit. The president is responsible for managing the executive board. The executive board consists of the president, the treasurer, and the secretary. That's the uh, on the nonprofit side. And then under that, you have your regular board. But their role is to support, hire, and fire the implementation side, which is where your chief executive officer, or your executive director would swim. Now, if you are the president slash CEO, are you gonna fire yourself? The answer is no. So if you are the president and the CEO, then as a funder, that's a red flag to me because I know the role of the president and the board of directors is to support hire and fire the chief executive officer or the executive director. So that's showing me right there that something is off. This is important. You don't understand that when they're asking you for an org chart, it's not because they have nothing else better to do, they're looking for the telltale signs of this organization is it is it structured properly does it make sense can we trust that there are systems in place that are going to give us what we need to feel comfortable with writing that check cuz that's a lot of money if you don't know that your president is responsible for hiring and firing the executive director then I'm going to think you don't know other things cuz that's really important so I'm not going to I'm not going to fire myself so I'm saying to you Don't make it up. A lot of time it's innocent. You know, I'm the president and I'm the CEO. You are if it's a for-profit company, but if it's a nonprofit, then you can be the founder slash CEO or the founder slash executive director, but you should not be the president slash CEO of a nonprofit. And people say, oh, I've been doing this for years and you know, no one, yes, yes, it's possible. What I'm saying to you though, If you're going to be my client, if you're going to be in my tribe, if you're going to um, do things the right way, I am saying that's all it takes for a funder is to see that you have president slash CEO as your title to be a reason to put you in the no pile. My goal is to have you go in strong is to have you be a contender and make it past the eligibility screening. That is a perfect reason to say, "Mm, maybe this person doesn't really understand the nonprofit sector. So just be mindful. And my recommendation, my suggestion is you choose. If you choose to run the organization, then you choose not to get a salary and you choose to be the president because the president's responsibility is to set the vision. It is the highest ranking person in the nonprofit. And you can choose to do that because you know that you don't wanna run the organization. You're gonna keep your nine to five, you're gonna volunteer your time and you're gonna run that organization. It's gonna be your vision, it's gonna be your ideas, and you're gonna support the executive director. However, if you decide that you want to um, run the organization in terms of the day to day, you wanna secure a paycheck, then Go in knowing that you will be reporting to your president, that your president is responsible for evaluating the work that you do as the highest ranking paid person in the nonprofit. And when you do that, understand that there is a possibility that if you're not doing your job well, that you may be fired. It is a decision that you have to make. And I'm saying have to because your community needs you. And so, if it comes down to you know you're you're fired and then the and then the organization crumbles, then what was the purpose? What was the point? I am here to support you. That means you follow the rules, you run your organizations the way that the IRS has determined you should, so that you can deliver your programs and services to the community. That's it at the end of the day. So if you're making things up, that means that you're not looking the part. That means that the funder is looking at your org chart. They're looking at your grants and they're saying, this person has no idea what they're doing. I'm telling you, as a funder, I've done that. I've looked at grants and I'm like, this person has no idea what they're doing. Making stuff up, titles and, you know, oh, we have an executive board, but we also have, you know, an advisory board and we also have, you know, Um, a corporate board, like they've got all of these things that aren't in alignment with what the IRS would say is a functional organization. So you got to do the work because if you're trying to get funds, you have to look the part. The thing about a title is that it means something. So if right now as a nonprofit leader, you are functioning in the role of CEO that's fine. I explained to you earlier the challenges about that. I would recommend that you be an executive director. If you're the founder, then you're the founder slash um, executive director and stay within the boundaries of the IRS. Because at the end of the day, you can be a chief executive officer slash president, but that may prevent you from getting your money. And that defeats the whole purpose. All right enough of me on my soapbox. I think you get it. I think you understand that the IRS has certain rules and that funders are looking for you to abide by those rules. When we come back from this short break, um, we're going to take questions. We have a question um, from Roger um, about about the board and, oh, this is perfect, about the board and what type of titles and positions they can hold in the organization. So when we come back, we're gonna to go to Ask Amber.
0: Are you a nonprofit organization with 501c3 status? Are you using video to promote your cause and attract donors? If you answered yes to both of these questions, then the YouTube Nonprofit Program was created especially for you. The YouTube Nonprofit Program allows you to activate your cause broadcast a compelling story, and launch an effective campaign via YouTube. The program gives nonprofits access to YouTube tools that most users don't get. An embedded donate button, call-to-action overlays, annotations, live streaming, and access to a community forum. So take advantage of this program for your nonprofit, and you can really see the results in your video and overall communications.
1: Hey, we're back. This is part two of the thing about a title. And right now we're going to, I'm going to take your questions. It's Ask Amber. It's your opportunity to ask me your burning questions. They don't even have to be burning. They could be something that you've heard or you thought about. You want some clarification around. This question is from Roger. Roger's in Upland. He emailed me and he says, hi, my name is Roger. My organization is fairly new. It's about two years old. The board is ready to hire staff. Yay, Roger, congratulations. Um, Because they've been delivering programs, they want to function as both the board member and the paid staff. My question is, is that okay to do? This is a great question. So it's two parts. Number one, typically when a board, um, when it's your inaugural board, your first board, those are the people who are gonna roll up their sleeves and they're gonna do the work, so yes. Um, most times they're going to be delivering your programs, right? They understand that. It's your first board. Generally speaking, boards go through three phases. You've got your inaugural board. That's the board that's going to do a lot of the hands-on, you know, programming. Your second board is when the board starts moving away from actually delivering services to, you know, being more of a governing board. So they're going to be supporting the paid staff. And then you have that third board, which is like your institutional board. And those are typically your high powered people and they're writing checks and they're making connections. That's where you want to get to, right? So it seems as if Roger is in that inaugural board where the board has been doing a lot of the hands-on and now they've done a great job at fundraising, and they're ready to get paid. The problem is, according to Roger, they want to hold both board positions and staff positions. And no, that's not okay to do. They're gonna have to choose. Since they have the experience, they may be great candidates to be paid staff. But remember, as we mentioned earlier, the board is responsible for the visioning and the guidance and making sure that the organization is operating, operating ethically. The paid staff, however, is responsible for taking that vision that the board made and implementing it. That's the day-to-day operations. What typically happens and I have this happen a lot during my, my board trainings, you'll have the board, um, she's like, oh, well, she's my the, the board secretary slash director of operations, no, no, you can't have that. Either she's gonna be on the board and volunteer and not get paid, or she's going to be on the paid staff. The other thing that typically happens is you try to reward your board members for all of their hard work for the past two years. And when you move them from the board to these paid positions, you give them director titles. That is a mistake. But it is a common mistake because you know that they've been working hard. And so, again, you want to reward them. That takes us back to the classification issue. You start a person out at director level. You need to give them a salary that commiserates with that title. So a director is not gonna come in at $15 an hour. That's going to be you know, your coordinator or your specialist or whatever. So that's why it's, it, I typically say hire somebody new, because you can hire them at a coordinator um, title and then have them move up to um, a specialist and then have them move up to a supervisor and then have them, you don't wanna bust your budget right? It's been two years. Your board is just now getting used to fundraising. If you have six people in at director's position, then you're paying them between, what, 60, 70. That's a lot of money to fundraise for versus if you hire them as a coordinator and you're making, what, 30, 40. So you just really want to be strategic and meaningful and um, keep them separate. If your board wants to participate in the governance part, Roger, then they need to decide to be volunteers. If they wanna get paid, then they need to drop their roles and responsibilities as a board member and just become paid staff members. That's the way it goes. There's no, you know, combining both. Because that's going to get you a red flag. And from a funding perspective, a funder is going to be like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. They understand that a lot of times when you start off, your board is going to act in the capacity of a staff member. But when you start assigning titles, now you're you're moving into that um, zone of labor law. And it's really important. And a funder doesn't want to get caught up in that. Because the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to get fined. And what do you want to do? You want to take my grant money to pay your fines. And that's not what I'm giving you money for. I'm giving you money to deliver programs. And that's how we have to look at it as funders. We've got to look at it as protecting our assets. So, Roger, I'm going to, first of all, again, applaud you. But I'm going to say you've got to tell your board that they've got to decide. All right. So that is that for that. Now we're going to move on to my favorite Um, part of the episode where I get to feature the most amazing people in the world, my nonprofit leaders. Today, we're going to spotlight um, an organization that is um, closing the gap in the technology world, right? It's called Girls Who Code. Through their online resources, campaigns, books, and advocacy work, In the U.S. and around the world, Girls Who Code is reaching girls around the world, and they're on track to close the gender gap in new entry-level tech jobs by 2030 through their in-person programming, including their summer immersion program, clubs, and college loops. Half of the girls that they serve come from historically underrepresented groups, including girls who are black, Latinx, from low-income backgrounds, non-binary individuals. Let's take a look at Girls Who Code. It's important
2: for more women to be involved in tech fields because having that representation, a different perspective is something important in the world in any career. I thought I was interested in tech field, but I wasn't so sure. In high school, we didn't have a lot of tech courses, so I was looking for outside resources. We know that
3: jobs in tech are the highest-paying, fastest-growing in our country, and frankly, around the world. If women are left behind, then that's a world of economic opportunity that they're being denied for themselves and for their families, and we know that that has to change. At Girls Who Code, we're on a mission to close the gender gap in tech and to change the image of what a computer programmer looks like and does. We work with girls across the country and now internationally who have come from communities that are historically underrepresented. Girls of color, black and Latina, and from low-income households, and Girls Who Code absolutely gives them that confidence and pride and convinces them that they can do anything. You're learning computer science every day. You get to see how people work. You have guest speakers who are these powerful women in tech who come in and talk to you. You get to go on field trips and see how tech changes lives. I cannot think of a better experience, and that's what we give girls through Girls Who Code Programming. It's also about the sisterhood, the confidence, the bravery. A lot of what people call soft skills that are critical
2: to them persisting in the field. We're definitely going in a really positive direction for women in tech fields, especially with programs that do form camaraderie between women. It's really great to have that kind of teamwork so that they can pursue those aspirations without feeling like they're alone. Girls Who Code is making a tremendous impact in the communities that we serve. Girls get a chance
3: to see themselves as technologists and they can bring those resources back to their communities and make a change.
2: Yeah, you're going to encounter difficult problems, and it's okay to even fail sometimes as long as you did stick through it, you have succeeded.
1: Thank you, Girls Who Code. If you'd like to support this organization, visit them at give.girlswhocode.com. We're going to move into the last part of our episode, and this is my mindset minute. This is when I pause and I share some of my thoughts about something in the nonprofit sector. And I've been thinking about this for a while because I think sometimes I may give out mixed signals. One of the things I always say is a nonprofit is a business. It's just a business with a philanthropic purpose, but that's not completely accurate it is a business right you have to do things like operations and hr and marketing and finances which is some of the responsibilities that you'll have to do in a for profit or um company but i want to be very clear and say this if you want to start a business then start a business meaning start a for profit company right Don't try and morph your nonprofit organization into your own personal business. It's not going to work. And what's going to happen is it's going to put you in a bind that you just don't want to get in. A lot of times people start nonprofits thinking, oh, it's my business and I'm going to this and I'm going to that. And it just doesn't work. I've been in the business for 30 years and I've seen all types, right? Well, can't we just this and can't we just that? No, you can't. You can't because the IRS says you can't. And at the end of the day, a funder is going to do what the IRS says versus what you think they should do. And I'm going to use myself as an example. Um, I started a nonprofit, and the nonprofit does exactly what my consulting firm does. The nonprofit's goal was to work specifically with executive directors because having been one, I understood the plight. And what I wanted to do was to have government and corporations give me money so that I could then, um, you know, train nonprofit leaders. Because I know the struggle. Professional development in the nonprofit sector is a challenge because you're trying to, you know, run programs and and and, and give your people salaries. So my thought was, all right, I'll just have the grant money come in. and you know. And it turned out not to be that easy, right? Um, funders believe that if you start a nonprofit you understand that you're starting a business and you understand that the monies that they give you are for programs and not for running your organization so they're looking at me like why should I give you money to train them to run an organization when that's what they're supposed to do not really understanding that people start nonprofits with great hearts not really doing the research and understanding so there was a whole disconnect then that was in 2013. And after a couple of years of not really being successful at funding that vision, and mind you, I'm an amazing grant writer, I shift. I shifted my model to um, starting a consulting firm. And a part of that also is when you don't get money for your programs, then you don't get that 15%, 20% for your salaries. And so you know I'm about that money, y'all, right? So Having a consulting firm, this is where I am. I have people now, I think, in a different time than in 2013 with all of the upheaval, with all of the social injustice, with all of that, funders are now understanding the challenges in our communities. And so as a consultant, they just write me a check and I deliver the training to nonprofit organizations. It's not a problem. It's not I only get 15% and then the rest goes to programs. I get it all. So I'm saying all of that. I'm sharing my personal business for those of you who are like I want to do this but, you know, I don't know if I can, you know, do it without getting grant money. You can. You can if you are delivering a product that brings value, right? I bring value to the nonprofit sector, but I am not a nonprofit organization. I am a for-profit consulting agency. And funders will write me a check so that I can deliver culturally responsive, um, asset-based training to nonprofit leaders. So if you think that, you know, starting a nonprofit is going to allow you to get all of this money, I want you to really just think it through. Because there may be a better fit for you as a consultant as a for profit business where you're not struggling to get this type of um, funding sources if you're not sure, just reach out. We can do a discovery call I can hear what you 're trying to do I can look at you know potential um, potential business models that may work for you because nothing is worse than starting a non nonprofit and it's not really a nonprofit type of company i mean there are ideas i'll say off the top well why why are you trying to be a a a, a non-profit and if that is the case just give me a call reach out amber at amber Wynn, or go to my website www.amberwin and we can talk it through all right guys i'm gonna wrap up and i'm gonna say to you be sure that you take care of yourself like you take care of your community we'll see you next time Thanks for listening.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Head over to www.amberwind.net slash podcast for the links and resources mentioned in today's podcast. See you next time.